Hello and welcome to another episode of Healing Through Pain, a podcast dedicated to the mission of walking people towards healing and health. In each new episode, we will discuss how to show up well for the responsibilities and opportunities that life sends our way. Here is your host, Stephanie West, a licensed practicing counselor in the state of Michigan, a teacher, and a professor who lives her life at the intersection of mental health and education. Thanks so much for following along. Hey guys, welcome back to you. It is our second to the last episode for the 2022 year, which is just kind of wild to think about. I did think through, do I want to talk about goals and, you know, how to be intentional moving forward? And I probably will go down that road next week, you know, unless something else comes up along the way. But one of the things that I do to start a year is I pick a word for the year that I want to be very intentional about. And over the last couple weeks, I've been thinking through what do I want my word to be? And there were two that were really kind of wrestling for a lot of space. And one of them is the word surrender. And the other is the word love. As I was parceling through with which one do I want to be intentional, I was doing daily devotions over the last couple days and the theme of love kept coming up. And that felt like a gentle nod and a gentle push towards making that my word for 2023. And I think it's going to be a really cool place to camp out and it's going to actually intersect well with today's topic. And I am someone who uses scripture to try to refine my behaviors, refine my thoughts, refine my life, refine my relationships. And 1 Corinthians 13 is one of those places that is often referenced as the chapter that talks about love. So love is patient, love is kind, it doesn't envy, it doesn't boast. There's so many pieces about love being an action verb or even refraining from certain actions and that's what love looks like. And that's where I wanna camp out today, not through the idea of what is love, but when we love someone, what does that behave? behavior actually look like. And I want to juxtapose it to the idea of enabling people. Because often we can convolute enabling to believe that it's actually very loving, to believe that we're protecting others from pain. But I want to gently push back against that and ponder aloud with you, is that what love looks like? Now, love doesn't exploit, love doesn't control, where where control begins, love ends is one of the adages that I fiercely believe to be true, but love does not automatically protect either. And so love is somewhere between those tensions of non-exploitive, non-controlling, but not necessarily protective. One of the analogies I really like, I talked about my girlfriend who broke her leg the other week. As we talk through her rehab journey, so she's going to, if all goes well, get an internal fixation surgery over the next couple weeks, and then she's going to have to be three months non-weight bearing, going to physical therapy, and it's probably going to be a good six-month journey to rehabilitate the leg as well as possible. And even then, the doctor said to her, we can't promise there won't be residual consequences long term because this was such a nasty break. And so with that in mind, she is going to have to endure a lot of painful things over the next four to six months here to rehabilitate that leg and to bring it to its full potential. And when we think of someone in rehabilitation, when we think of someone who has to stretch towards best outcomes, imagine what happens if we convolute our care and our love into doing the work for them. That's going to be a problem. 
them. If we're doing it for, you know, out of pity or out of kindness or out of convenience or it'll just be faster if I do X, Y, and Z for them, then they're not doing it for themselves. For example, if she's working on range of motion and she has to learn to put her shoe on, so she has to be able to bend over far enough for it, I should not take the shoe from her and do it for her unless it is clear that she literally cannot do it for herself. But then the next day she tries again and the next day she tries again and the next day she tries again. And as soon as she's able to put the shoe on for herself, I back off completely because she's capable. And what happens often when we enable, we disallow people from reaching their potential. Love is letting people struggle through things so they can come to better outcomes. Even if there's pain involved, even if they're tired, even if they're overwhelmed, even if they're angry, to love is to sit with someone in that and not take away the obstacle for them or not take away the issue for them. So if I'm helping my friend with rehabilitation, it might seem loving to do things for her. But what's the consequence to her if everyone steps in with pity and kindness and she doesn't have to do things for herself? She will limit her potential. When they were actually resetting the leg, I had to step out of the room because it was very, very difficult difficult to hear her screaming. But one of the things I'm really, really skilled at is sitting with people in their pain and sitting with people in their tension. So as soon as I was able to go back in the room and she's sobbing and she's just, she's quivering from the amount of pain that she's experiencing, I can sit in that with her. I can't take it away. I can't stop it from happening. But I don't take that pain on myself. I don't make her problems my problems. I sit there with her in them and reassure her that we can walk through it together. So I go and I sit with her when I am able and I trust her in her own story that as she's asked to rehabilitate, she will reach her potential by going out and striving, not by me stepping in and doing stuff on her behalf. It would actually be incredibly unloving if everyone catered to her and didn't expect her to do the necessary steps for her to get better. That's not love. Now here's where it gets kind of interesting interesting. Often enabling is about us. So let's run this out. If I'm enabling someone in whatever capacity, whether they don't want to fill out job applications, so I'm doing it for them. They don't want to have a conversation with their parents. And so I'm stepping in and doing it on their behalf. They don't want to set up a boundary with someone. So I step in and do it for them. That's something going on with me, like I need to be needed or I need to have control or I can't handle tension or be uncomfortable, so I'm going to do action steps. Or it's something like, well, if I say no to them, I'm being mean. Or I don't want to have tough conversations and have limits, so I'm going to take on this over-responsibility. Enabling is about us and our limitations with being appropriate, our limitations of setting boundaries often. I'm not going to say always, but often that is true. So if I don't want to have a tough conversation, if I don't want to set a boundary, if I don't want to be mean, suddenly... I'm engaging with someone in an inappropriate way. I'm doing things for them. Again, whether it's out of pity, out of kindness, whatever I want to call it, it's often not the most loving thing to do. One of the stories that comes to mind is often we have an inability to let people be upset with us and and just learn to be okay with it. And if you want to grow in a skill, that's the one I highly suggest you flex and grow in. Allowing people to be unhappy with you and you can still be okay. I had an 18-year-old boy when I was doing uh, parking lot duty at the school, so he was one of my senior boys. We had a pretty good relationship anyway, but even if not, that's not kind of the highlight of the story here. One of the things that some of the students would do is they would cut through the parking lot, which was a high traffic volume area, and so we had a walkway, and the expectation was you use the walkway. And so there was a particular student that he kept cutting across, and it was my day for parking lot duty, and I said to him, let's say his name is John, I said, look, John, I need you to head back 
back and use the walkway or this will be a write-up. And he's like, well, this is so stupid. I'm already over here. Why, why would I have to go and redo it? I said, because if you go back and redo it the correct way, then I don't have to do the write-up. If you choose to cut across and you choose to not kind of follow routine here, there's going to be a write-up involved. And he got really, really curmudgeon with me. And I looked at him, you know, square in the eye, an 18-year-old boy. And I said, look, here's the thing. I said, I love you. I want you to be safe. I want you to be okay. And if that means you have to be angry with me for a while, I'm okay with that. You have two choices here. Go use the walkway or take the write-up. And I don't care how it plays out. I love you either way. And I love you enough to let you be mad at me. That's not a problem for me. And I sincerely meant that. If he needed to be upset with me and he needed to, you know, fight the power and I was the person at the front end of that, that didn't matter to me. I wanted him to learn proper procedure. And again, you can disagree with walkways or authoritarian overreach. That doesn't concern me. What I knew is that there was an expectation there. There was a process. And my job was to say to him, it's okay if you don't like me when I follow process. I love you enough to do it anyway. A lot of times what happens when we won't hold the line, when we won't enforce the boundary, when we start to enable people, it's actually methods of self-protection because I don't want to be uncomfortable. I don't want someone else to be upset with me. So you have to ask yourself when we're not holding the line, am I self-protecting here? And if I am, what does it cost? It's costing me the opportunity to invite someone into being a better version of themselves. Now there's kind of a two-edged sword that goes on and I see this play out in couples counseling a lot where we have neither spouse being willing to call truth to a situation. So the codependency actually plays out like I'm not going to call you on your trash. You don't call me on my trash and neither one of us will hold each other accountable. You want to talk about a relationship breaking down? That's a beautiful way to let something devolve very quickly. And so we have people that say, well, I'm not going to call people out because then they're going to call me out on my behaviors. Okay, so then we can both stay immature. That's a great way to go about relationships. If we run unchecked and we let others run unchecked, there is breakdown involved in that. There is a devolving of values. There is a devolving of behaviors. There is a devolving of how we navigate the world. And that's a problem. That's not what love looks like. Love holds us to a standard. I was talking with a client and this client was living with her sister and this client was also living with her husband. So client was the common denominator. And she would get very angry because as it related to kind of distribution of labor in the home, she would say, well, look, I'm the one who plans the meals. I'm the one who buys the groceries. I'm the one who makes the meals. I'm the one who cleans up and they do nothing. And I said to her, I said, hey, what's your role in this? And she's like, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm doing everything. I'm so selfless. I, I just, I give and I give and I give and they take and they take and they take. And I said, right, what's your complicity in this? And it took us a while to kind of navigate and she got really upset with me. But I posed one very specific question to her. I said, here's the thing. What happens if you die tomorrow? And I don't mean that flippantly. I don't mean that irreverently, but you could die tomorrow. Do you think they don't know how to get groceries? You think they don't know how to make meals? The dishes might not get done. Will the world still keep moving? Yes, it will. And so you are creating a situation where you need to be needed. You won't hold the line and have a tough conversation. You're passive aggressively trying to get your needs met. You're very angry at them and resenting them. And unfortunately, it's because you refuse to speak truth into the situation. You refuse to have any type of limit or boundary set. You refuse to follow up in some sort of conflict. That's not love. That's self-protection. And also, there's a little underbelly of control going on there, which is also fun with codependency. Where control begins love ends. And it is an adage that I very, very much like to put in front of clients and say, what about this is control? What about this is love? And it often shows up that we are enabling out of control. We are enabling out of selfish motive. So that's why we have to challenge it. 
The cool thing about love being my lens for 2023 is it marries very well with my core values. And I've shared with you before, my core values are patience, generosity, and honesty. That's literally how codependency gets dismantled. That's how enabling starts to get dismantled. It's with honesty. Generosity of assumptions, patient with the other person as they learn to change. But honesty is imperative. Tell me why so many people will see an issue in one of their friendships or in a relationship. And they'll go talk about it behind closed doors with a third party, yet they won't have a discussion with the person who needs the redirection or needs the honesty. Now, you have to have a relationship built with someone to be that voice of confrontation often. But why are we not engaging honesty? Why are we tacitly agreeing to hold our tongue and others tacitly agree to hold their tongue about our lives? That is not love. Let's say theoretically, I've talked about my younger brother. He's someone who I just love so much. He's one of my core people. And if I see him atomic bombing his own life, now, technically speaking, he's not responsible to me, but because I love him, because I claim to love him and love him well, I am responsible to him, to be honest with him, to demonstrate love towards him, to invite him to be refined with truth, and to probably confront him if I watch him doing something that is not for his good and not for the good of him long term, whether it's playing out in his marriage or in his job or in his family relationships, whatever that looks like. To love him is to have the tough conversation. And when we avoid this, we're not being the good guy. We're just not. When we are refusing to dismantle our codependency, we're prioritizing our comfort. That's not love. We're prioritizing that we want to avoid conflict. That's not love. We're swallowing truth. That's not love. We forego the invitation to invite others to be better and to invite them to be a refining force in our lives when we rely on codependency. And I, I want to be clear, codependency in and of itself is not a bad thing. When we use it to enable people, it can become a very nefarious agent in relationship. It can become a very nefarious agent in our stories of wellness or unhealth. That's what I want us to consider. It is not love to enable people. If we expect health and wellness and refinement, it begins with boundaries, it begins with honesty, and it begins with inviting people to deal with the consequences of their behavior. It's not us buffering them from consequences. That's enabling them. That's not love. Thanks so much for taking the time to listen. Please share this content with friends and family. Feel free to connect with Stephanie at healingthroughpain21 at gmail.com. Until next time, be well.